Welcome to This Girl Puts Out. I'm your host, Carm Macaretta, and I interview real women with real stories about real life stuff. I'm inviting you to laugh, cry, and connect with my guests as they share some of their most impactful life experiences, from their brightest moments to their darkest hours. For more stories and an opportunity to share your own, visit me at thisgirlputsout.com. Welcome, everyone, to This Girl Puts Out podcast. Thank you for joining us today. And today we have a special guest uh, who I recently met and am very, very happy to be uh, in contact. Um, I'd like to introduce you to Trina Dora, Dr. Trina Dora. Uh, She is an MD, MPH in an internal medicine physician hospitalist. She's the founder of Dr. Trina Dora Life Coaching. Dr. Dora obtained her medical degree from Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee, and completed her internal medicine residency and Master of Public Health at the University of Alabama, Birmingham. She completed her fellowship in quality improvement through the VA hospital in Birmingham, Alabama, and was kind enough to lend herself to us today for this discussion we're going to have on divorce and infidelity and getting through it. So welcome. Good morning, Dr. Trina Dora. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yes, we're delighted to get into this topic for sure. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna jump right in, and uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Right. Well, so as you mentioned, I'm Trina, and I am a physician. I have wanted to be a physician my entire life uh, since I was seven years old, and I actually uh, met my ex-husband whenever I was in my last year of medical school. Um, I was doing an away rotation, and I was visiting with my cousin and I said, Hey, you know, I'm about to finish medical school. I've accomplished everything I want to accomplish, but I haven't gotten married yet. (laughs) I was like, I I need somebody. Do you know any guys that you can introduce me to? Yeah. (laughs) So my cousin said, well, actually I do know someone. And so that was how I met my ex-husband and we only dated a short amount of time. I think we got married about nine months after we met mm-hmm. and we were married for almost seven years before we got divorced. So how and old were you when you got married, Trina? I was 25 whenever okay. I got married. So yes. considered young today, right? right. Yeah, I, th- right. I think so. But I felt pretty accomplished because you uh-huh. know, I'd already been through undergrad. I was just graduating from medical school. Oh, yeah. So I felt like, hey, I've checked off all the boxes. Now I just need to check off the marriage box and then I'm good. Yeah, right. Very good. Okay. So about uh, nine months you got married and then how long into the marriage uh, were, did you start to notice problems or you know, did you start having some questions? Right. I mean, well, we had problems even during the first year. So I remember even during our first year of marriage going to get marriage counseling. And so the really interesting thing about the marriage counseling is we went and I remember thinking, oh, great, this person is going to fix him. <laughs> They're going right. to fix this problem of mine. <laughs> right, so, right. Cause it's always them. At, exactly. <laughs> but after we had our first meeting with the therapist, the therapist said, well, you know what? I actually think that each of you have some work that you need to do. So I want you all to do individual work first. So each of you do individual therapy. Then 
after that, we'll come back and do marriage therapy. Mm -hmm. So I ended up doing the individual and I think I remember he did too, but we never actually ended up coming back for the marriage therapy. Mm -hmm. But it was during that first year that the problems first started. Okay. And so, so you didn't complete the counseling in the way that you were supposed to. No, we did the individual, but I don't remember us ever coming back for the marriage therapy. I think Mm -hmm. the individual therapy helped and I felt a lot better after working on myself. And so I think it was interesting. Our relationship was a lot of ups and downs and it was like the, the ups were good enough that it kind of kept us going for a little while longer then there'd be a down period Mm -hmm. Then Mm -hmm. something would happen. It'd keep us going for a little while longer. So it was like, we were just dragging ourselves along in this relationship. And life gets in the way too, right? Life gets busy. And so, you know, you're like, well, geez, I can't really turn my life upside down right now with this relationship uh, dissolving or whatever. I mean, people put put, um, separations on hold for a lot of reasons or, or they keep going and keep trudging along, as you say, um, especially when there's children involved. Um, But in this case, there was, not children, correct? No, but that um, definitely did happen because like I said, I met at the end of medical school, but after medical school, you still have to go do what's called a residency. Mm-hmm. And during that time, you're very busy. So mm-hmm. I was working, you know, 80 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, I just have to focus on work. I don't have time to really think about the issues going on in the relationship. I just have to get residency yeah. done. And then when residency is done, I was like, I have to finish my fellowship. Then when fellowship was done, I'm like, okay, now I have to move and start a new job. And I got to get a myself. job. Right. So you're right. Like yeah. it's very easy to kind of push it, mm-hmm. the issues to the back burner mm-hmm. and just keep forging forward. And, and I think there's a, a common belief that a lot of marriages are mediocre. Right. So, so, you know, um, at least if, you know, you're not getting beaten and, and, you know, there's no substance abuse, um, you can sustain it. It's, it's, it's better than what most people have. We actually convince ourselves of that. Right. So mediocrity is normal. And as long as, um, I don't know, I mean, I remember saying those things to myself in the past, you know, Mm -hmm. Oh, he's got a good job. He takes good care of us. You know, he doesn't hit us or it's, it's, funny how I think a lot of times there's the fear of the unknown mm-hmm. and so you're like well okay I know what I have yeah. here in front of me right now if I get divorced then I have to go out there to the unknown and try right. to find something else and a lot of times that's scary right because we don't yeah. know what else is out there we don't want to have to go through the, the discomfort of finding out so then you just convince yourself well maybe it's not so bad here right right and it's the devil you know Right, exactly. Versus the the versus the unknown. Um. So, so you said you were having problems, but when did you first suspect he was actually cheating? You know, I don't remember exactly when over the course of those seven years. I know that there were definitely times whenever I would ask him, or times whenever things just didn't seem to add up. So for example, I remember he would go out of town with his friends and whenever he was around me, he always had his wedding ring on, but then I'd see pictures of him out of town with his friends and he never had his wedding ring on. And he was the only friend in his friend group at the time who was married. Mm -hmm. And I would ask him about it and he would, you know, say, oh, well, I didn't want to lose it or, you know, something like that. And then you're kind of like, 
<laughs> you know, you know, it's compared to I am remarried and compared to my current husband, there's been times when we've left the house and he's literally turned the car around to go back and get his wedding ring because he says, I don't want to be without the, my wedding ring. So I definitely noticed some things that mm -hmm. seemed like maybe they weren't adding up, mm -hmm. but I would ask him about it and then he would always have some sort of excuse or reason and say, oh, no, no, I'm not cheating. And of course, you believe what you want to believe. So sure. then I would believe that he was mm -hmm. telling me the truth. Yeah. But you felt unsettled. Oh, yeah, definitely. Something, something was off. Yes, there, there was definitely, whenever people always talk about your intuition, mm -hmm. I definitely think that was the case. But then I had that backdrop of working so many hours and working so hard to try to finish my education and my training, which he was very supportive of me doing. But I found out later he was mm -hmm. off cheating while mm -hmm. I was at mm -hmm. the hospital working. Wow. Mm -hmm. So at any point, you know, during these suspicious times, were you, did you ever think, you know, there was something wrong with you? Was there something wrong you were doing? Yes. I, you know, I think that there are some men and this isn't every man, but there are some men who do a really good job of making you think that the problem is with you mm -hmm. or that you are crazy. And so I would raise suspicions or raise concerns, but he was very good at making me think that something was wrong with me for even asking those questions. Mm -hmm. So I definitely, you know, think that's a case that I, I would think something was wrong, but then he would make me feel like something was wrong with me for even act asking. So then I started to think, well, maybe, maybe something is wrong with me. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, maybe I am just a suspicious person or maybe I am blowing things out of proportion. Um, I, I hear that a lot of times the um, the cheater will use projection and and turn it around and say, "Well, well, you're cheating," or "I think I think you're cheating." Mm -hmm. Did did were you ever accused of cheating? No, no, he never said those things. Yeah, <laughs> and I wasn't cheating. I think he knew I was too busy <laughs> working. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Wow. Um, so you're trudging along and. Um, it, how, when did you know you had to get out? When did you say, I, I just can't take this anymore? Like, what was your breaking right. point? Well, you know, during the course of the marriage, there had definitely been times when he and I had talked about divorce. Mm -hmm. But the time that I absolutely knew and I said, I cannot stay any longer, we had gone to his sister's wedding and it was a destination wedding. So we were at mm -hmm. this beautiful, all-inclusive resort for his sister's wedding. And we were on the beach and I had fallen asleep and I remember waking up and he was no longer beside me. And mm -hmm. I looked down on the beach and he's down flirting with some other girl from the wedding party. And as soon as he saw me wake up, he like turned around and ran back. <laughs> and yeah. I just knew, like I knew what he was doing. And then other behavior that week, you know, I was like, if I'm at this gorgeous, all-inclusive retreat on right. the beach, the most beautiful water, and my husband is flirting with other women <laughs> while I fall asleep. I was like, I can't take this anymore. I finally reached the point mm -hmm. where I was willing to accept whatever pain or discomfort may come to, I was willing to accept that instead of staying in the awful relationship that mm -hmm. I was in. Mm -hmm. So was it, would you say uh, the entire marriage, was it six, seven years of, of, of that? 
Well, no, I mean, I, I don't think anything is ever all bad. Right. And so there were definitely moments that yeah. were good in our marriage. Sure. And that's why I said there were certainly times where we would think mm -hmm. about it. We would both acknowledge this isn't the best marriage, but neither one of us wanted to give up. It would get better for a little while. And that's what I said. That would carry us through. Then it would get bad again. Yeah. Then something would happen. It would carry us through. And even now, whenever I think back on it, there, are, I can absolutely tell you some amazing trips that we took, some fun things we did, mm -hmm. some beautiful gifts he gave me. Like there were some nice, fun times. You know, mm -hmm. I remember one time he planned a surprise birthday party for me. So I can't say that it was all bad. All bad. Yeah. But the human spirit can only take so much. Right. Um, so did you, did you tell anybody at all during that time? Um, did you share it with anybody before you yeah. actually decided to leave? Now, my sister, I would say the person I spoke to probably the most mm -hmm. was my sister. Mm -hmm. And then I had a couple of girlfriends who I spoke to, but nobody really knew the full depths. Sure. I think that whenever you're in a marriage, especially when the marriage isn't going well, there's a lot of shame that can be associated with that. And especially if you have other friends who maybe you seem to be in really healthy, mm -hmm. happy marriages, other uh, there's, there can be so much shame. And so you don't always want to tell people, right. you know, what's going on. You know, sometimes people will say, oh, you're such a cute couple. And then you're just, you feel like so much embarrassment, right? right. And you're like, if only they knew. Um, so we know why, you know, you stuck it out. We talked about the different reasons why you kept trudging along. Why, why does a cheater stay? You know, why, why did, right. why does a cheater stay, I guess, in general, or why do you think right. he stayed? You know, I, I can't speak for all um, people, but I know he did say some things like he came from a broken home. And so he didn't want that to be his story too. Mm -hmm. uh, he didn't want to end up having a divorce. I, I know a couple of times he said, well, you know, you are a nice person. I don't, I, I don't really want to be with you, but you are a nice person. I don't necessarily want to hurt you. And I also think there was some comfort, right? Like mm -hmm. you get in a routine and there sure. is comfort. So even though he was cheating, I think he still found some comfort in the fact that we had settled, we had a house, mm -hmm. there were things that were happening in his life that were very positive that he was excited about. And so you, there's always that tendency. I think humans don't like change a lot right. of times. And sure. so you just kind of try to stay and make it work. Right, right. Try to try to have both. Right, exactly. So can you tell us about the end? Like, you know, you came home from that trip and you just said, I'm, right. I'm done. And did he? Yeah, well, yeah, I came home from that trip and I was just like, I can't continue to do this mm -hmm. to myself anymore. And so I told him, I said, you know, we've talked about divorce before, but this time I really am going to go through with it. Mm -hmm. And so I found a lawyer. I hired a lawyer you know, initially he was not opposed, you know, he was trying mm -hmm. to control that situation mm -hmm. as well. He was opposed to me getting a lawyer, tried to convince me, you know, oh, we can work it out ourselves, even though I knew that it wouldn't work out to my favor if I, if I uh, agreed to that. And then eventually he ended up getting a lawyer too. Mm -hmm. And I think at first it started out cordial. And, you know, I think a lot of times when you go through divorce, you have this hope that you can do it very cordially. Yeah. But things did start to deteriorate some. And then we ultimately did, you know, end up getting divorced. Mm -hmm. um, I think too, once you decide to move forward with um, divorce or with, you know, a big legal decision like that, 
the minute you go to your respective camps, um, people start advising you, right? So mm -hmm. people start telling, you know, you, well, you know, you don't have to give this up or blah, blah, blah. Right. And, and that's where things start to unravel a lot of times over right. the stuff and the money. Right. And, and you know, thankfully, neither, even though we had been married for about seven years, mm -hmm. we had uh, comparable jobs, I would say. And there wasn't, you know, the, a huge, enormous discrepancy in our incomes. We didn't have kids. So it did become a little bit easier mm -hmm. to divide up assets. There wasn't one of us who had so much more than the other that that became mm -hmm. an issue for us. But mm -hmm. you are correct. I remember there being a time whenever the lawyer told me, you know, you never know, he may have been hiding money from, you know, we had a joint bank account our entire marriage. So I saw both of our checks going into this account. And he said, but he might be hiding marriage from you. And he said, well, if you pay me $15,000, I can do this whole financial analysis and try to find out if he's hiding any money, et cetera, et cetera. I forget what, what that's called. Horrendous. But I remember asking him and I said, well, if you don't find anything, yeah. <laughs> do I get my $15,000 back? <laughs> <laughs> and of course the answer was no, because he's like, well, no, I mean, I still have spent all the time looking. And I remember saying, you know, no, I, I'm not doing that. Like I'm mm -hmm. willing to spend some money. I realize divorce cause, costs money, but I have a good job. So I wasn't willing to spend 15,000 more. Now that situation may be very different. Had I never um, worked, always been a stay at home mom, had there been a huge discrepancy in our income, those are totally different situations and you may really need to fight for mm -hmm. the money. But mm -hmm. for us, and since I already had a good job, for me preserving my sanity and just getting out with my sanity intact was the yeah. most important thing. Well, that's what I wanted to segue into next. What what were you going through? What did what were you feeling when you were going right. through all this? What are the different different stages you went through? How did it affect you? Right. I mean, there's so many different emotions, mm -hmm. you know, whenever you're going through divorce. And like I said, there's anger, there's fear, resentment, shame disappointment. Um, but, you know, there's a little bit of excitement too, when you're thinking about what would it be like to not have a person criticizing me every day? Or what would it be like to not be walking on eggshells? But I think you just go through that whole gamut of emotions. But I would definitely say in the beginning, there are more maybe negative emotions than there were mm -hmm. positive emotions. Like I had to go through that stage, you know, I had to go through the stage where I couldn't make it through a day without crying, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I had to go through the stage and even before I just I um, decided to file for divorce, like I mentioned to you, there's so much fear, fear of being on your own, also fear of what other people are going to say, mm -hmm. what other people are going to think, having to tell people or having people know that you're divorced, right? There's so much right. shame and stigma yes. that wrapped around that. And, and some of it is very real. And then some of it I had amplified in my own mind too, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh my gosh, what are all the people at work going to say when they find out that I'm divorced? You know, things like that, that I maybe even amplified a little bit more in my own mind. Um, and, and you eventually did tell, tell a support group of people, right? So you did right. have some help. I never officially disclosed it at work. I know some, a lot of times people have that question, like, how do you come out and tell people that right. you're divorced? People just figured it out, right? Like I stopped yeah. wearing my ring. He started showing up and then I did have a few people kind of ask me and then I, I let them know. Mm -hmm. But yes, one of the very first things that I did 
whenever I started going through the divorce process is I found a support group. Mm -hmm. So it was a group of other women and there was actually one man in our support mm -hmm. group whose wife had cheated on him and we would meet every week and it was, it was awesome. And mm -hmm. that was one of the most helpful things that I did at the beginning. Not feeling alone is yes. paramount. I think right. when you're, when you're going through anything major, Sure. Well, because you end up like your, your brain ends up telling you you're the only one, right? Like right. you end up thinking you're the only one, even though, you know, intellectually, there are so many people who've been divorced, but you think, oh my gosh, I'm the only one. Everyone's going to look at me a certain way. Their, their perception of me is going to change. What I found was there are people, people I didn't even realize had been through a divorce. You know, once mm -hmm. they found out that I was going through a divorce, mm -hmm. they're like, oh, I did that five years ago. You'll be fine. You know, you'll get through it. And mm -hmm. so then I did start meeting people and I'm like, oh, wow, you've been divorced. You've been divorced. And just seeing people that I knew, yeah. you know, casually or from work who I found out they were divorced now have moved on. were happy again. I was like, oh, so it is possible to, for there to be life after divorce. Right. And they're not walking around with like a badge that says failure on it. Right? <laughs> exactly. They look pretty normal and they look okay. Right. And, and oftentimes they would say things like that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm at this stage where I'm still crying every day and I'm like, yeah. what? That's the best thing. And they were like, yeah. oh yeah. And they're like, it's only terrible for a little while. And then, it, and then life is much and better. And so it was, it was really helpful yeah. knowing that there were people out there who had survived it. Yeah. Um, we worry so much about what other people think. Uh, yes. <laughs> we really, really do. Like as in general, every day, we just place too much importance on it. And I know it's, it's hard not to, but in a situation like this, it can really, really negatively affect you, you know? Right. Um, mm -hmm. So what does, you know, uh, from a, a professional standpoint, what does infidelity itself do to somebody? What does it do to them, you know, to how they feel about themselves? Mm -hmm. Right. So for me, the biggest thing I noticed was such a decrease in my sense of self-worth. Mm -hmm. And so I think I really made the infidelity means something about me, right? Mm -hmm. That there was something wrong with me. I wasn't doing something right. And like I said, a lot of times when I would ask him about it, he would deny it. But mm -hmm. still I was like, something is wrong with, with me. You know, this relationship isn't working. I'm a failure. I'm, I can't, I don't know how to be a good wife. And, you know, obviously whenever you are a professional woman pursuing a career, you start to think, well, maybe if I hadn't been a doctor, then my marriage wouldn't have fallen apart. Or maybe if I didn't have to work as much, you know, you start to have those questions as well. And so by the time I got out of the marriage, my self-esteem was so low. And so that was one of the most difficult things for me when I first mm -hmm. got out and that I really had to put a lot of work, like deliberate work into building my self-esteem back up. Because mm -hmm. um, I think you don't realize how low it can get over the course of a seven-year marriage. Now, I know you got help through a support group. Did you have to enlist the help of a psychotherapist or a coach? Mm -hmm. Right. So I actually used both. I used both a counselor and then I also hired a coach as well. And so initially I had the support group. Then I brought in a trained therapist. I also had a coach who was helping me. 
tell us about the differences between a trained therapist and a health Right. So in general, whenever we talk about kind of the differences between therapy and coaching, therapists are trained, licensed professionals, right? So similar to how as a physician, I'm a trained, licensed professional. I went to medical school. I had to take a board exam. I'm certified by an organization. The same thing with therapy. And, you know, whether therapists are, are master's level or they have their um, PhD doctorate level, for example, they're trained, they have licensing exams regulated by, by a particular regulating body. Um, life coaching is different. Life coaching is not a regulated industry. So there is no one body who certifies or regulates life coaches. There are certainly um, certification programs and training schools that you can go through, like the one that I went through, uh, but it is different. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, and, and I think another thing about therapy, and then particularly if you're looking at someone on the level of a psychiatrist mm -hmm. who is an actual medical doctor, they are doing more of diagnosing oftentimes. And then whenever you're looking at a a psychiatrist, they're even prescribing, right? Like prescribing mm -hmm. medication. So for things such as maybe depression or anxiety, you know, medical illnesses, uh, they also, a lot of times you might hear it phrased as therapists or psychotherapists are helping people go from non-functioning to functioning again. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times they take people when they're at that level of they just really aren't functioning well in life and they yeah. take them to functioning. Mm -hmm. Whereas a coach, it's very much future focused. So you're taking people who are already functioning. Mm -hmm. You're just trying to help them get to that next level of themselves, like a net, another version of themselves, just so that they can improve their life, mm -hmm. reach goals that they've always wanted to reach, but they have to be functioning already mm -hmm. at the baseline. You're not doing any diagnosing, no medical treatment. You're not prescribing medications yeah. as a life coach. So interesting. Um, you weren't in the coaching field at the time, how did you, what made you integrate both of those modalities? Right. right. So the way I found the coach actually mm -hmm. is I was looking to lose weight. So uh -huh. I think that that is a common thing a lot of women want to do after divorce. Mm -hmm. And so I hired a coach to help me lose weight. This particular coach has always had an extra interest in the mindset piece. So not just let me put you on this diet so that you can drop weight, but unless we fix the mindset that's kind of going on, causing you to overeat in the first place, it'll be hard to really sustain the weight loss. So I would say he was my first introduction to the idea of coaching mm -hmm. and the mindset and journaling and journal prompts and just really trying to think a little bit more um, and analyzing your life and your thoughts. He was my first introduction to that because working with him, I was trying to get to a higher level, a higher version of myself. Whereas whenever I would go to my sessions with the therapist, she really was focused on helping me to go from non-functioning to functioning because initially, not that I was non-functional, I mean, you know, I was still able to work. I was still able to, you know, take good yeah. care of my patients, but there was just a lot of sadness that was yeah. there initially. Yeah. More clinical. Right. Stuff. right. And so, like I said, I, I wasn't suffering from clinical depression or mm -hmm. anything like that, but I really did need someone to help me kind of process that initial mm -hmm. jumble of thoughts mm -hmm. and feelings that happen when mm -hmm. you go through divorce. Mm -hmm. And the therapist was very good at that. Whereas my coach was really good at helping me to reach to that next level because mm -hmm. I always knew that I wanted to 
try to use this experience to transform. Like very early on, I had that insight, right? Mm -hmm. Like I had that insight of there's two ways that this can go. I can get divorced and I can become very bitter and angry and never move on, never be happy again. But I always knew that I wanted to choose the other option. I knew I wanted to get married again one day. And I knew that there was going to have to be some work that I did on myself to be able to get to that version. And so I was very clear that that was the option I wanted to take. So I was all in on doing whatever kind of work I needed to do to be able to get to that future version of myself. This is just a little sidebar for the medical people that might be listening. (laughs) When you go through something, um, isn't it funny how like your medical knowledge goes completely out the window? (laughs) Right. (laughs) You're just a person. You're just a person going through something. And there's even been times where I've, you know, tried to diagnose myself or whatever. And I'm like, Carm, just stop. You are not seeing this clearly, you right. can not be the person to, you know, you, you need somebody else to step in here. Right. Um, but that's, oh, well, that, that's definitely true. It's really hard to figure it out yourself, right? Ask yourself those questions that a coach can ask you, right? To, to come up with that idea of where we need to go next. It's really hard to do that yourself. And like you said, when you're living in it and you're in the midst of the despair of divorce, (laughs) you might know you want to get out of that pit of despair, but it's really hard to figure out how to do it on your own. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, did your coach, would you say your coach was the inspiration for you to decide to get into coaching or um, was it just you had such a good experience or how did you make the jump? Yes. So I would say, yes, he was, but not until several years later. Mm -hmm. So I got divorced and did a lot of work on myself. And then I actually had an opportunity a few years later Mm -hmm. to lead the same divorce group, support group Mm -hmm. that I had been a part of. It's actually an international group. And so there's different branches of this divorce support group throughout the world. And so I had the opportunity to be the leader of one of those branches. And I loved it. Like I loved interacting with those women, talking to them, hearing their stories, but it still wasn't coaching. The role of the support group leader was very much just active listening, right? Mm -hmm. Like we had a set curriculum of pre-recorded videos that we showed, a workbook that somebody else had created that we worked through. And then my role was to facilitate and just practice active listening, Mm -hmm. but I loved it. And I also still knew that this is the group of people that I want to help. Like, I don't know how. At that point, I didn't know how. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to help. I don't know what it's going to look like. Will it just, Mm -hmm. maybe it'll just be me continuing to facilitate these support groups. But I knew that I wanted to be involved with other divorced women, especially because by that point, I had done quite a bit of healing. I knew it was possible and I wanted to share that with other Mm -hmm. people. Well, fast forward a couple years after that. I hired the same weight loss coach to help me again. And by that point, even more than before, he had shifted his business into really more traditional coaching. Yes, there was a component of weight loss, but he had really shifted into more traditional coaching. That was really my first introduction to Mm -hmm. coaching. Whenever I saw what he had done with his business and I saw the transformations that he was having in his client's life. It was a group uh, coaching program. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I saw it, I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) I was like, look at the changes he's having in people's lives. And, you know, I thought about my work as a doctor and I was like, 
yes, I get to have an impact absolutely in people's lives, but his impact was no less significant than the impact I was having in people's lives. So yes, I may be helping you with your diabetes. I may help you when you have chest pain, you know, those types of things, but he was helping people with the emotional aspect of things. And I, and I felt that they were equally as important. And so I said, this is how I, I can do it. This is a way that I can help other divorced women. I can become a life coach, get the skills and the training so that I could do more than just active listening right? Like right. I can actually have a skill set where I can help divorced women. And so that's when I decided. So it was actually the summer of 2019. And I was like, I want to be a coach. <laughs> so that was how I decided. Wow. So is this your calling? Yeah. Well, I've always thought medicine is my first yeah. calling. I wanted to be a doctor since I was seven years old. Right. But I definitely think that this ties into that because mm -hmm. when you think about why people want to go into medicine, yeah, I know it's the cliche answer, but people always say, because I want to help people, right? right? But it really is true, right? Sure. That's why people go into medicine. Doctors go into it. Nurses go into it. We want to help people. This is just a different way of helping right. people. So I think that that innate desire that I have as a human being to help other humans, that still comes out in my desire to be a life coach. And so I don't want to leave medicine. Like mm -hmm. I still love being a doctor, but I also love being mm -hmm. a life coach. So you treat this as a separate arm of your business. This is uh, separate from internal medicine. This is its own yes. entity. Um, you make a distinction between between those two things. Um, tell us and about that's actually. It's, I was going to say that's really important because whenever I work as a coach, mm -hmm. I am in no way am acting as a physician. I make that very clear put that in the paperwork, the disclaimers. I am not acting as a physician. I'm not providing any kind of diagnosis or treatment mm -hmm. whenever I am acting as a coach. So yes, it is completely separate. Tell us about um, being a businesswoman, setting up a business, because in your medical practice, you work for a facility or an organization, Correct. right? So, so you're not, you didn't have a private practice as a physician. No. So, so essentially this was the first time you were setting up a business, your health coaching business. Um, what was that like? What, what challenges and obstacles did you encounter? Yeah, this has been one of the most difficult things I've ever tried to do. <laughs> and I'll be completely honest. I don't have, I did not have these skills going into it. Maybe if I had had a private practice, like you said, I would have learned some of these business skills, but nowadays sure. so many doctors don't go into private practice. Right. They work for a large healthcare organization. And in my role is what's called a hospitalist. We only work in the hospital. So I have only ever worked for a large health center or right. a hospital you, or healthcare. You get a paycheck. Exactly. Yeah. And so these skills, like trying to learn how to market, sell, use social media, those are not things at all <laughs> that we learn uh, in our path to become a doctor or even things like accounting, you know, like keeping your books, taxes, those types of things. Mm -hmm. Again, maybe if you started a private practice and are paying those bills, but otherwise these aren't skills that are taught in medical school. And so all of this is completely new. And, and so it, it's, it's fun, but it's yeah. 
very different <laughs> than what I do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> for my regular job. By this point, I've been a physician so long that I've got that routine down sure. and I'm very clear on where to go to seek out information. If I need to look something up, that mm -hmm. part's very clear. The business side of becoming an online entrepreneur and a life coach, completely different skill set. Yeah. Did you educate yourself or did you go to a local small business association or? Right. I would say my education is ongoing still. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but one great thing about my life coach school where I trained is in addition to the life coach training, there is also some entrepreneur training. Mm -hmm. So that is the very first place I started. And I'm very thankful that I chose a life coach school mm -hmm. that does have the entrepreneur side as well. But then there are also a lot of other programs that you can buy, mm -hmm. right? Um, you're, you're in the field, you know, there's right. a lot of people who it's are overwhelming. Yes, <laughs> marketing and selling their program that will teach you. And so there's a lot of noise, but, but there are some really good programs out there that help to teach you these mm -hmm. skills. You can Google it, read about it, YouTube it. A lot of it is also the trial and error, right? Like, mm -hmm. You, I remember I had never really been into Instagram much. And then one of my fellow coaches said, hey, let's do this challenge where for 21 days we go live on Instagram. And I was like, okay, I've never done a live on Instagram before, but I'll figure it I'm out. I'm doing it. And exactly. And then I learned about um, Instagram TV and I was like, okay, well, I'll figure out how that works. And then I've learned about stories. And then now Reels is, has come out on Instagram. Can't and keep so, up. Right. As, as I was going to say, so then you just take a class, like somebody somewhere has knowledge on how to do reels. You take a class, a webinar, re, uh, you know, look it up on YouTube or something. You just figure it out as you go. Yeah. You kind of, you have to be, um, you have to be in the digital game if you have a business or, right. or you're out of the game. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so tell us about drtrinadora.com. Tell our listeners what services you provide. Right. So I have one co coaching package and it is a 12 week coaching package and mm -hmm. it is called prescription for divorce. And so I take women through 12 weeks and it's one-on-one -on -one coaching that they get every week, support mm -hmm. in between the coaching sessions through Voxer, you know, worksheets to really help them process their thoughts. But my goal is really to work with women who are ready to move on to that next phase. And it's not that I won't work with a woman who has just decided that they want to go through divorce mm -hmm. because I absolutely would needing some help processing those thoughts. I absolutely would. But I am very passionate about helping women and particularly women who have been cheated on to realize that even though this might be where they are now, mm -hmm. there is still this future place, this future self that they can get to where things are amazing and their life is exciting and they are doing things they never dreamed were possible, accomplishing things they never dreamed were possible moving into that next version of themselves, which is an amazing place to be. And so I really want to help women realize that. Mm -hmm. Like I, like I said, whenever I first got out of my marriage, my self-esteem was so low. And so I couldn't have imagined being the person that I am now. 
Mm-hmm. I couldn't have imagined doing some of the things that I have done in that time since I got divorced. Because when I first got divorced, I just didn't believe that those were options for me. And so I really want to help women to see that, no, yes, you got divorced, but that doesn't mean that your life ends here, right? That doesn't yeah. mean that just because your dreams for the marriage ended, that your dreams for your life have to end. And so that's what I really want to help women see. That sounds awesome. It's hard to, um, it's hard for people to be able to fathom any of that, especially in those early raw stages, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so listeners, if you want to find Dr. Trina Dora, um, she is at drtrinadora.com and I'm going to spell it. It's D-R-T-R-I-N-A-D-O-R-R-A-H dot com. I'm also going to put her information in the show description as well as on my website. So uh, if anybody would like to reach out to her, um, that would be the way you can get a hold of her. And before we let you go, Trina, this hour has gone by so quickly. I cannot believe how long we've been talking. I just looked at the clock. Um, A piece of advice, you know, if you could give one pearl to a woman going through divorce, and then maybe give us one pearl for a a woman starting a business. Right. Well, I think the thing that I would want to tell women going through divorce is not to let the fear stop you, right? And so I think, like we've already talked about before, there's so much fear of the unknown. We, We don't we, I think oftentimes as humans, we want to know the how, right? Like yeah. we want to know what are the steps? How, is, how am I going to accomplish this? What is it going to look like? And nobody can really give you that with divorce, right? But I would want to let people know that we don't have to know the how, but there is a better place out there. And all you have to be willing to do is to just step out of this place of fear that's holding you back. And it's not that you have to get rid of all the fear. You've probably heard people say, just do it scared. <laughs> like you've heard that saying before. Yeah. It's just, you don't, I, I want women to know that they don't have to stay where they are now just because they're afraid. They don't have to let the fear of how am I going to pay my bills? You know, how am I going to find a new job? How am I ever going to be alone? How am I going to find anybody again? Mm -hmm. You know, how am I going to make it through Christmas, you know, by myself? Like, I don't want them to let the fear of that cause them to stay stuck because Mm -hmm. those answers are out there. They will find those answers and they can get to the other side. Like I'm at Mm -hmm. where life is great, but only if they are willing to have that little bit of courage to step out, Mm -hmm. even if they don't know the how. That's what I would really want to encourage people to do. And even if you're afraid, you can still take that step. Just don't let the fear keep you stuck. Right, because you're not going to go through this unafraid. The fear is going to be there. It's a given. So know that it's there and know that that it's going to be there with you every day, but you you can't let it hold you back. Exactly. Exactly. And then I think for the business side, this is advice that has been given to me. And I I still have to remind myself (laughs) of this. But people always told me, 
you start by starting. And so I think it's so easy when you don't know, like, like I said, these are all new skills. You can get stuck in this pattern of, well, I just need to take one more course. I just need to read more, one more book, watch one more video. Um, okay. Maybe I can start when this and this happens, but you just have to start by starting. And so you just have to put yourself out there. So like my friend who said, Hey, let's do an Instagram challenge. I was just like, okay, I guess we're, you know, I guess we're doing this. And so, and so and like I've talked to you uh, about how one day I want to start a podcast and so I've told myself you know what I just have to start by starting because it's very yeah. easy to say oh, I can't start a podcast until I have this equipment that costs five thousand dollars or this special microphone or this or this but then I meet people and they say oh I just picked up my iPhone and I started talking into it and that's right. how I started my podcast so start by starting yeah excellent excellent um, what's next for you yeah, just continuing in my job as a physician, because like I said, at this point, I don't want to give that up, but continuing to expand my business with coaching. Like I definitely believe that this is part of my purpose to help divorced women. And so I'm so excited to see what the future brings as I bring this message out there. Like I had mentioned to you when we spoke before this started, mm -hmm. I don't mind being vulnerable and I don't mind sharing my story because I think that's essential, especially when it comes to divorce, because again, there's so much secrecy and shame around divorce. Yeah. I want people to say, she didn't mind sharing. She gave me hope. She gave me strength. Yeah. Maybe I can do this. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're looking forward to whatever you do next. I have a feeling a podcast is in your future. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you for sharing yourself with us and with the world. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really oh my appreciate gosh. it. This was wonderful. And uh, the one thing I really love about this uh, community is um, I am meeting the most wonderful people. Right. And, uh, yeah. I appreciate you uh, being a part of This Girl Puts Out and um, listeners, again, drtrinadora.com. And uh, thank you again. This Girl Puts Out is officially signing off. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And for more stories about real-life women, visit thisgirlputsout.com.